Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Geek Rant, episode 353, don't make me laugh, recorded March 17th, 2019, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Drive Time Radio for Geeks. I'm your host, Mark, occasionally known as the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel, and joining me this week, as always, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson, and Miles, the Oxygen Air Wakeham. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Mark, and welcome to the Faithful Obiites. Catch us while you can, can. <laughs> Top of the morning, geeks. Yes, it is St. Patrick's Day, the day we celebrate the uh, bringing of Christian uh, Christendom to the, the Irish Isles by drinking green beer. Not really sure how those two things are related, but uh, so be it. It's all marketing and advertisement. <laughs> and leprechauns. Yeah, something like that. Um, so uh, the just to get this out there because it will certainly manifest itself at some point in the show. The the, the uh, you know what I didn't do I didn't start any kind of timer on this. So who knows how long the show is going to be. Um, so anyway, the topic the title of the show don't make me laugh. I really need this to be the most bland, boring show we've ever done because laughing right now hurts a lot uh, because I have. Broken, cracked, fractured, whatever word you want to use, a rib. And I don't know if any of you have ever had that experience, but um, if you have, you know that it's extremely painful doing even the most simple things like laughing at a joke. So guys, promise me you won't be funny for the next 50 or so minutes. I, You know, I get so few opportunities. If you leave an opening, I'll have to take it. All right. Well, at least apologize afterwards. So uh, the official story was that I was rescuing an infant from an oncoming train, and I threw my body, uh, sacrificed my body by throwing myself across the tracks to rescue the infant uh, whose uh, mother had uh, somehow left it on the train tracks. Uh, That's the official story. The real story is I tripped over a rocking chair because I'm old, fat, clumsy, um, so Wednesday, I took the day off. We had some friends in from Texas. They were visiting. Um, uh, obviously, they didn't come to live with us. Uh, but anyway, uh, I took the day off to hang out with them, but they wanted to go do um, uh, family stuff for that morning. Uh, and my kids had half a day of school that morning. Uh, so I had my my oldest daughter didn't have any classes that day, and I was home. So I thought, I'll take my daughter out for brunch. That'll be fun. Daddy-daughter time. One of her favorite places to go is the Cracker Barrel Old Country Store. Now, I don't know how things are in in the north, but I know south of the Mason-Dixon line, you could you could travel from coast to coast eating only at Cracker Barrel's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and there will, there will be plenty of them to spare. So they're all over the place. Uh, there are like three just within like a 10-minute uh, trip from where I live right now. And they're all exactly the same including the long line of rocking chairs they all have out on the porch. So as we're leaving, having feasted on Cracker Barrel Old Country Store Fair, I caught my toe on one of those rocking chairs and began to stumble. And as one does, I tried to get my feet out from under me, so I started running, trying to trying to get my feet back under me, thus accelerating my my demise. When finally I could take it no longer, I came crashing down, and one of the arms of one of the rocking chairs caught me right smack in the rib on the way down. Oh. I literally 
literally bounced off of the arm of this rocking chair and rolled across the concrete porch of the Cracker Barrel Old Country Store. But first, just to make things worse, before I actually hit the ground, I landed on my daughter who was walking in front of me because I wanted the the prize of father of the year. Um, (laughs) So I brought her down with me. Knock the wind out of me. I'm laying on the ground going, ooh, ooh, you know, thinking, this is it. This is where I end. Uh, you know how that is when you when you get the wind knocked out of you, you don't think you're ever going to breathe again. And I'm laying there thinking, oh, I had a good run. It's It's been a good time. And this is where it ends for me, on the porch at the Cracker Barrel Old Country Store. There were several people around. Of course, you can't do something humiliating, humiliating like that in private. It must, of course, be done in front of witnesses. So there were several people around, and uh, they all asked the same question. Are you okay? Except for the one woman in the crowd. All the men said, are you okay? The one woman said, no, he's not okay. He's in pain. Look at him. So the wisdom from the one woman in the crowd. After roughly 45 minutes, um, I finally managed to catch my breath. I'm sure it was only a few seconds, but it felt like that. I'm sure I was going to die. I took one big breath, and uh, then the manager came out. And, of course, I had to, like, give him my phone number and fill out an accident report and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I thought, all right. It's fine. It just knocked the wind out of me. No big deal. I'm going on my way. The adrenaline's still coursing through my veins. Everything's fine. Uh, and, and then I step off the curb. And that jarring motion of my foot going down about six inches, six inches went, oh, no. No, no. This is not okay. There's a problem here. So I put my hand on my side. I moved a little bit. And I thought, I'm pretty sure I shouldn't feel movement under my hand when I do that. I don't think that's normal. So yeah, there is a rib there, perhaps two, that uh, were in one piece and now are in more than one piece. And uh, please don't make me laugh. Okay. This one's too lame to make you laugh, Mark. (laughs) But so what you're saying is for that brief moment, you were a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll. Oh. Oh. Now I'm in pain. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no fear of making that that one making me laugh, Seth. So we're okay there. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I think. Ooh. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bad jokes are the only kind of jokes I have. So, uh, so. I can attest that uh, those rocking chairs are solid. If you ever had any doubt about how sturdy, how well-built they are, yeah, those things are solid. Go ahead and purchase one. They're going to hold up to lots of abuse. Better than bones. So you can't do anything other than just let it heal, right? I mean, right. there's nothing you can do. Right. And uh, and in fact, the uh, I did some googling because that's what nerds do. And the current, the prevailing wisdom these days is don't even wrap, because people tend to wrap um, themselves too tightly and constrict their breathing, which leads to pneumonia. Now you're not talking Snoop Dogg here, are you? No, no. Um, okay. Yeah, the splinting of the chest using compression bandages. So uh, I said, screw that because it feels way better with with something on it than not. So I'll risk the pneumonia. Um, but, you know, fortunately, I didn't have to do anything today, a few days later, like, for example, singing in two different services and playing a 15-pound bass guitar. Fortunately, yeah, actually, I did do both of those things uh, today. So uh, breathing was difficult playing was difficult and uh so if i'm if you hear me whine or wince or complain 
just know that, uh, yeah, that's why it hurts. Well, let me know, Mark, if I can do some more really bad jokes yeah. to kind yeah, of take your mind off. Just of it. keep the comedy low. It, that quality of joke right there. If as long as you can keep it at that level or below, will be good. Well, you know me; I only get one yeah. a day. So, so uh, another thing I did that same afternoon uh, because I had already spent roughly seventy three thousand dollars on the tickets was I took my family to see Captain Marvel, which I see Seth you have also seen. So. Uh, why don't you start with your spoiler-free review, and then I will chime in. Okay, so Captain Marvel, there are a lot of things, individual things about this movie that are really good. Like, for example, if you remember the Tron that came out, and they tried to de-age Jeff Bridges, and it just looked creepy. Jeff Bridges, well, yes. Yeah, uh, that's right. Did yeah, I say the right uh, one? Jeff Bridgetal. That's my phrase for what they turned him into. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but anyway, so they de-aged um, Nick Fury and Agent Coulson, and it looked really good. I mean, it was like very good. So, And then so there's a lot of effects there, but I got to say, I was kind of let down by the movie. I don't think, I think this would have been a good phase one film, but Marvel was at a much higher standard before this, and it was just too um, Captain Marvel ex machina for me um, to really enjoy it. So, yeah. So, uh, first, regarding the de aging of uh, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, flawless on the face, and and that's that's not a word I use ever. Flawless. I I was looking for errors. I was looking for that in uncanny valley, and I couldn't find it. It was just perfect uh digital de-aging um the only place where it wasn't believable was when he because they had him do the act him do the stuff and then they they changed his face um anything that required physicality he moved like a 60 plus year old man right so when he's running down the hallway he runs like an old guy and you can tell all the younger people are having to slow down so that they don't outrun him and when you know but that's that's unavoidable short of using a fully digital uh actor but the face, the eyes, everything was just perfect uh, on a big screen. Maybe on a small screen, it will look a little weird, but I was blown away by that. Um, and Colson as well. They de-aged de- him. Um, and yeah, it, it, it looked a little weirder, but um, maybe that's just because that I don't know what he looked like as well when he was younger. But anyway, I, I just thought that was really good. As far as the movie goes, it was fine. It was fine. You you know what fine means for me. It's it's not bad. It's not good. A movie, you know, fine is a movie worth seeing. Uh, I've seen it once. I'll probably see it a couple of more times uh, throughout you know the 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 rest of my lifetime. Um, it was fine. It was a fine movie. There there was one moment in there, and I won't spoil it, but I'll just say that Fury starts the film with two eyes and ends the film with one eye. And it's kind of funny because, you know, it's like in uh, the Hot Tub Time Machine, another terrible movie. There's a character who loses an arm, and they, they, they suck you in several times, and you're like, oh, that's how he lo-. No, that's not how he loses. Oh, that's how he loses. So they're teasing you all throughout the movie, and that was kind of, that was good. There were several moments there where you think, oh, that's how he loses the eye. Um, but when they actually get to the way that he loses his eye, I actually lost most of my respect for the movie at that moment. Uh, it took it from being a good movie to an okay movie i'm i'm not i'm not exaggerating that moment was so cheesy and disappointing that it uh, it kind of ruined the whole movie for me yeah like i don't like i say i don't i don't 
give this film a high as great as you do. So I, it, for me, it wasn't as good. I mean, it, it closed some kind of little, not really plot holes, uh, in the Marvel universe, but it opened up several more and it was just, there wasn't a, there was like the, uh, it went from kind of a good movie into just an overpowered hero. Um, and they destroyed Ronan, one of the better villains, you know, uh, of, uh, he was a villain in the first guardians movie and they just made him seem like a whiny little girl in this film. And so I don't know what happened. Maybe, maybe there'll be a Ronin movie and it will explain how he went from a whiny little girl into the bad mama jamma Roman and the accuser that he was in the guardians film, but he wasn't that way in this movie. So it, you know, comic book names, are always a little too on the nose. Right. Um, and Ronan means rogue soldier, rogue warrior. That's what that word means. Right. So uh, this was a time before he went rogue. Um, so maybe that, that could be explained. But um, I, it was six and a half out of ten. It, not terrible, not bad, not great. Uh, worth seeing. Um, I don't remember anything that you have to see in IMAX, or uh, I, I avoid 3D like the plague um but yeah visually all the effects were pretty subtle um and actually that's what i like about effects i like effects that you go oh was that a digital effect i didn't i'm not really sure so there weren't any big you know uh, giant robots fighting giant lizard moments um it was you know anyway enough about that it was a decent movie i don't regret having seen it but i can't really recommend it either Eh, okay i can i can say the same thing yeah uh, and so, Miles, uh, we have been getting emails. I've, I've been forwarding to you recommendations uh, about your new phone, but it doesn't matter anymore because you've made your choice. Yeah, I broke down. I, I, I don't know what I did. I just, I got to the point where I was just so sick and tired of my current phone, and I'm traveling shortly soon. So it was like, do it now or do it later, and not have a decent camera. So, yeah, I did it. I broke down. I got the Galaxy uh, S10, the uh, just the middle middle one of the series. But I did learn a lot about who not to trust in the phone carrier business. Um, All of them? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's just the typical scam that it always has been. Uh, In this case, Verizon is playing their normal scammy card like, they, they come up with these options like we'll sell you the, the phone and we'll give you a $200, you know, trade-in for your current phone, which was twice what I could get if I sold it on eBay. So I thought, yeah, okay, I'll check that out. And, of course, then you read the fine print and they want to give you that money over a two-year period, which happens to cor- correspond with a contract term or, mm-hmm. you know, it's like another way of just trying to keep you as a customer. So, I, you know, I just don't do well with those sort of scammy tricks. So, anyway, then I, I got on the phone and I called up the Verizon. I said to the lady, look, I'm traveling overseas uh, in, you know, 90 days. I need this thing unlocked. Um, you know, and she goes, well, yeah, we, we unlocked them after 60 days. I'm like, well, I'm buying the phone. Why don't you just give it to me unlocked? It's like I'm buying it. I'm not. 
signing up for a finance program or leasing it from you. I'm buying it. No, they. if you buy it from the carrier, you've got to wait 60 days before they unlock it. Unlocking it's a big thing for me because, you know, I'm going to swap the SIM to another country's SIM when I travel. Um, so anyway, that's problem number one. Anyway, after all of this, I found out I could buy the same phone on Amazon direct from Samsung that was, that was you know, compatible with my carrier and it would just work. So that's what I did. And uh, took advantage of gift cards and got 5,000 frequent flyer points in the process. Um, so, yeah, that's how it is. So ev- everybody, look, I thank you for everybody who recommended different options because got, we got quite a few of them. Um, but I didn't take any of your advice and I'm probably going to re- <laughs> regret it. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. What do you do? Uh, so you, yeah. paid, you pay what, 1200 or so for it? Uh, 8.99 plus oh, tax. All right, that's less than I thought. Okay. I I don't I don't want to say that that is a the appropriate price for the phone, but I will say that the 2 to 300 dollar phones that we're getting are really underpriced. You know, somebody we're not really paying for what they're worth. So, I think the the sweet spot is probably somewhere around the five to six seven hundred dollar range. Um, you know, carriers do a lot of subsidizing. I, you know, I, I've bought my last couple of phones from Oppo, the the One Plus, uh, and this Korean company, and and you know, I'm getting the phone less expensive because the menu, the people making the phone, the the manufacturers, the actual humans, are being underpaid and and probably poorly treated. So there's a price to be paid all the way around. So I, I think if we actually paid fair wages and fair prices for components a thousand bucks for a smartphone is probably about an appropriate price it's just not something that we you know first worlders are actually willing to shell out for yeah but you know here's the weird thing right eight gigabytes of ram that's what you get in a laptop and it's got uh i don't know what the processor equivalent is so i can't really compare on that it's got 128 meg uh, sorry gigs of storage so that's like a small ssd um, it's got a good quality screen. It's got basically the same spec that most touchscreen laptops have. Um, so eight ninety nine, yeah, I guess it's probably market price. Yeah. Do you need to carry a laptop around to answer your phone and text message? No. I mean, <laughs> you know, but it's the camera and it's all the other stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I got a very small laptop. When people ask me about laptops or computers, I always say, you know, go to your local Best Buy or or wherever you like to buy stuff and just pick the pretty one because everything there is more than you need. And and we're kind of at that point of phones now too. Everything there is more than you need. So Mm -hmm. pick the one you like. Yeah. Seth, you're still rocking your uh, first generation Moto Razor, aren't you? Uh, No, no, the Razor broke in half and I had to upgrade (laughs) to this uh, LG thing. Uh, I got eight gigs of internal storage, baby. So um, take that. Not RAM, storage. (laughs) Storage. Yeah, it has one gig of RAM. And, uh, you know, and I mean, hey, I only have to reboot it sometimes a couple of times a day. So I figure I got another six months to a year. I might can get into 2020 with it. Speaking of things that have been around for a while, Motorola, Mozilla has officially launched the service that's been around for a year and a half, 
and that is their file sending service. So, I mean, I've heard of a soft launch, but like 17 months seems a little excessive. Well, yeah, it was, you know, they, they had it. And that was kind of like it was there, and it, but it was almost it was sort of like a beta and an unreleased thing. But yeah, so they're rolling it out now. So hopefully it will be good. And you know, and is this something that you know is this a meh thing that oh well you know I have Dropbox or I can use Google Drive or whatever, or is this the thing we didn't know we need because it's just one file and you know I don't want to have to go and make a special folder and share it out to whatever I can just use this service and send you the password and you can get it and then it's gone so you know two and a half gigs or you know are do we even share data anymore you know do, do you need two and a half gigs to send somebody a youtube link um i, I would say that it is not as uh prominent a, a need as it used to be uh but there are still times that i need to send files to somebody the this you know but most everybody already has a dropbox or a google drive or something so i think while it's not necessarily not a need it's everybody who needs to do it already can do it i would say yeah you know the the difference is like i say this is uh it's a lot easier and if i want to share a dropbox file with you well you know i've got to go in and putting in a public folder or well, no, that, that hasn't been true for like a year so. you right click on it and you say generate a link oh okay yeah. well shows you how often i use it so <laughs> do you trust mozilla as much Don't as i trust anybody I, I wouldn't send anything that i cared about through any of these services right i would i would encrypt a zip file and then send the, the password to that zip file uh through a different method uh, I don't trust any of these services for something that I actually care about. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just another one of these services. Um, I'm way too tinfoil hat to use any of them. I might, I'll use Mega. That's about it. Um, and that's rarely. Uh, for the most part, we installed a, um, uh, a Nextcloud server in one of our data centers. And uh, it's been great. Uh, I love it. And I know where it is. I can put my hands on it and I know where my data is. But, you know, most people, may, maybe if you've got a spare computer around, some disk drives lying around that you want to put something like this in your home, you can. But I guess most people don't want to go to the trouble. Yeah. I mean, the, the nerds like me who need to do this on a regular basis have FTP stores or SCP servers, you know, and I just post things on my own server and send somebody a link to it. Uh, this is for the everyday, and to Seth's point, the everyday user doesn't care. Uh, I, you know, who knows? Like I say, it may be this might be the thing we never knew we needed. So, or everyone could, gets pwned on it. Yeah, well, that's that's true as well. Both equally valid options. Uh, but something we're all sure we don't need is Shockwave. I didn't even know that was still around, but apparently it's not going to be for long. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Adobe will officially like pull the download link uh, April 9th, 2019. So then it will only exist on third party sites, you know, such as 99, FileHippo, and download.com. So it's fine for a long time. And, 
Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure it'll still be there, but they're going to officially stop supporting something that the internet stopped using last decade. So, um, you know, Shockwave, man, I remember when it was a, it was a cool thing to have. And every time you got a computer, you know, you had to go get Adobe Reader and uh, you had to go get uh, Flash Player before Adobe bought it. And you had to go get Macromedia Shockwave Player uh, really for your web browser to work. Um, and now, man, you don't need any of those things. Yeah, it was it's the pr- it was the predecessor. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, to Flash, you know, and Flash sort of uh, eclipsed it in the long run. But it was the first widely used, not the first in existence, but the first widely used in browser virtual machine. And yeah, like to your point, Seth, you couldn't function without Shockwave for a while there on the web. Definitely. So, yeah, man, look look at progress. Kids today, they'll never know. It really is true that the the browser is the new OS. Um, And we just assume these things happen now. We just assume you can have fully functional applications, enterprise-grade software in your browser. But that wasn't all. Kids, that wasn't always the case. I still am. I mean, I make a living with, you know, web applications hosting and stuff like that so i you would normally think i'd be like on board with the, yeah everything should be on the web uh i'm not sure about that i mean people have to remember the internet is just a network in the same way that you used to connect computers together to share files off a file server it, it's no different or a couple of computers can connect together to play video games a network just connects things the browser is just a obfuscation sitting on top of that so you know, if people want to use it as a platform for writing stuff, fine. But, oh, my gosh, if you've ever written software using a modern IDE, like a development environment, versus using a, uh, all the cryptic tools that you have to do for web development, trust me, you'd prefer the IDE any day. And I certainly would. But, you know, hey, no one wants uh, software that you actually have to, like, run setup. Right. <laughs> Remember when you used to get get physical copies of, let's go way back, floppy disks, you know, insert mm-hmm. disk one of three, you know, and then it became CDs and, and still today it's pretty predominantly, uh, that's not the right word, it's still pretty common to download things, uh, but often those downloads are disguised as running a web app like uh, um, TurboTax or H&R Block, that, you know, that's timely this time of year. People are doing their taxes or you know a WebEx meeting or whatever. You're actually downloading software, but the experience doesn't make it seem like that. You click the go button and then it says, you know, would you like to run this? But really you're downloading a package. Um, so it's, it's smoke and mirrors making it think that you're not. But I think, you know, Miles, to your point, in 10 years, that will be extremely rare. Only enterprises will will install software everything else will just run on somebody else's machine well the, the software industry wants it to be this way because it stops piracy I mean, right. the, the whole driver behind the web is not convenience people it's not any using the computer anywhere anytime it's got nothing to do with that it's because the software industry got sick and tired of you stealing all their stuff so they want to have it on their servers and they want to own it. And that's what the web's about. The web isn't there for our convenience. It's for their money. Miles, are you saying that software companies would lie to me? How dare, 
They, they've uh, never lied. They've just creatively what? told the sub- certain concepts of the facts. It's yeah. not a lie. No, and a 44-page, no. you know, end-user licensing yeah. agreement. Yeah. yeah the, Can the, you trust these people? Sure. Yeah. The biggest lie in the world is I have read and agree to the license agreement. You know, that's right. that's the biggest lie anybody's ever told. Um <laughs> My daughter's taking a class right now in co- in high school of, of, of marketing, and so her eyes are being awakened to marketing techniques. And it's it's been interesting because it's one of the things that I enjoy uh, paying attention to and have for a while. Just the the creative truth telling uh, and the the cultivating the delightfully vague. Right? I don't really know what you're saying, but I like what you're saying, um, and that's marketing. And so it's it's been interesting. We've had some great discussions about. Um, you know, little little things like uh, you know colors in an ad, uh, uh, product placement of not just having somebody use your thing, but where it exists in the ad. Um, marketing is a is a science. It is a social, uh, psychological science, a social science. Um, and the one thing you can't do, Seth, is lie. But you can rock walk right up to the line of lying. Yeah, you know, like I remember Mark Zuckerberg was, uh, you know, one of his things when he was interviewing uh the in front of the house or something you know if facebook's just going to get back to people being able to connect with people oh that sounds so great but what that means is businesses who want to use facebook are now going to have to pay lots of money for tools they used to get for free so <laughs> you know that that's all that that's what he said he said you know this is just going to be about people connecting with people and so we're going to basically make the businesses have to pay a lot more in order to do stuff and so i don't I hate marketing. I hate advertising. You know, the I can't remember his name, the counseling psychology guy who started or who revolutionized the ad industry. Shame on you. Shame, shame, shame. But the one thing we know about advertising is that it works. It absolutely works. Yep. And it is frustrating when something that is um that is pure and and noble in its intent gets twisted to you know to become you know a tool of you know whatever and and this next story that we're going to talk talk about is exactly an example of that in uh in massachusetts a law is being passed that specifically bans one store from doing one thing now that's not what the law says if you read the wording that's not what it says but the effect is Amazon, you can't have your cashless stores in Massachusetts. A, I don't know why this would be a law, and B, I think it's ridiculous when legislation is used as a pinpoint hammer like that. You know, well, yeah, and so Philadelphia has just banned cashless stores joining Massachusetts, joining the M state. I'm I sorry. never can't say that word. Uh, they've had that ban since 1978. So it doesn't ban cashless stores. It bans cashless only stores. So the, you can do cashless just as long as you have an option for cash. And, you know, and I understand the reason why Amazon does what they do. Uh, you know, oh, it's to streamline. No, it's because if you don't think about the price, statistically and psychologically, it has been proven time and time again that you spend more money. Way if more. they can, if they can put a link, a layer between you and the cash, that's why, you know, when you go into arcades uh machines long don't take quarters anymore they take tokens uh or you buy a card that is good for so long and you know ten dollars for 30 minutes of entertainment no but a a ten dollar card for david oh wow yeah i'll do that and so you know i see the point because 
it's it's sort of i mean the convenience factor is nice but the giving up and giving away your privacy isn't nice and you know and yes so now they have to have more people for checkout which is more cost and so the unions love it because that way more people have a job the consumers hate it because the stores end up costing more money because they're not going to take less profit um you know so i don't I understand the thing. And, and here's the deal. Amazon could make it a prime only store. And then because warehouse clubs, uh, you know, things where you buy membership to, they're exempt from this. So if Amazon had a prime only store, then they could be cashless. But if it's kind of just open to the public, it has to have the ability to accept cash. And, you know, my, my money says on it that this tender is legal for all debts, public and private. So yeah, so it is true in the U.S. that if you refuse legal tender, you you can't like like to pay a debt. If you if Seth you owe me money and you wave a, a George Washington in my face and I refuse it, that is tantamount to uh, nullifying the debt. Um, I I must accept legal tender or nullify the debt, but that doesn't mean that we can't agree that it will be paid in a different way. So that's that's the way they're going with this. Is if you don't use cash, you can't have a store in philadelphia um and right now there's only one company who have has cashless stores and that's amazon and they're only testing it in a few places and i think this is this is the future we all recognize that cashless is the future i don't know why philadelphia wants to live in the past i don't get it you know go ahead miles you um this maybe part of it is kind of a biblical thing. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are concerned about the lack of cash uh, because of, you know, prophecies and so on. That might be a part of it. I mean, we're supposed to have separation, church and state, but really do we? Well, I mean, people have been saying that the barcode is the number of the beast for years. Uh, yeah. Everything is the number of the beast. Uh, <laughs> but. I don't know. It's just weird. Um, the, Philadelphia is going to overturn this in less than 15 years. They, they will. They, I Mark my words, I will be around in 15 years. I'm going to die from falling on a um, rocking chair and puncturing a lung. Uh, but, you know, uh, this this is wrongheaded, and they will be shown to be on the wrong side of history in a very short time. I guess the thing that's concerning to me is this kind of um, unbridled need for consumption that it seems to be a business model Amazon is taking to such a level at the expense of, of everybody who is a customer and everybody who is a staff member. Um, we don't need as much stuff in our lives. I mean, it, it, it's just getting ridiculous. And these, co these companies are just being forced to amp it up at every possible you know, capability, whether it be increasing income or decreasing expense to try to get, make better and better returns for the for the shareholders. And yeah, the shareholders doing really, really well. And meanwhile, our places are full of junk that we probably don't need because we all got suckered into some marketing campaign or we all decided to turn our phones on and walk through the cashless register at Amazon because it's so convenient, um, not thinking about whether or not we really needed to buy that pair of socks. I don't know. Well, I mean, the the American way is buying things you don't 
need with money you don't have to impress people you don't like. Right. There you go. That's exactly it. And yeah. See, the thing is, though, if we accept that, then we can't change it. Like we have to, we have to make a conscious effort to not accept that and to be a contrarian. But there's very few people who are strong enough to be able to resist. But see, I want cashless payments. I, I get excited when I go up to a gas station and I can pay with my phone because I, I don't want a human. Whenever possible, I don't want a human. If I can go to Home Depot and go to the checkout stand, if I have to stand in line to self-checkout versus go straight to the person where I have to human and interact with somebody, I will choose to stand in line and self-checkout because the world is full of morons and the few the fewer interactions I can have with morons, the better. And every day we are burning far more capital of stored social interactions and stored norms than we replace because now I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to go to the grocery store. I can Amazon Prime it. I can work from home. I can order from Grubhub or, you know, Uber Eats or delivery or whatever or drone service. And so I don't have to talk to people. So the few times I do interact, no one has ever taught me rub rub the rough edges off of me when I was young. And so now I wanted to turn left but someone was standing there so now i'm cussing them out because don't they know how important i think i am so you're and telling me that self-checkout stands are the end of civilized society as we know it no i'm saying it's that's exactly one what more you just stepped. said no i said it's a step in that direction <laughs> it will be, it will get that way yeah it could be onto something there because i mean think about the we're not developing social skills like we used to you know, we're all sitting behind a phone or behind a computer or behind, you know, a cashless uh, POS system or, or whatever. We're not talking to people. So we don't develop the skills to make, you know, small talk and, and, and open up conversations and, and start to connect. And what ends up happening is we all go to our little corners and everything becomes tribal and no one trusts each other because they don't understand each other because they never learned to communicate to understand each other. And then, well, you know where this is going. Miles, are we friends? Of course. Do you, I, I'm your friend. Yeah. And you're my friend. I, sure. I, I agree with that. Have we ever met? No, but I can see yeah. you right there. Right. I mean, it's as if you were in the same room. Right. So you just invalidated your own argument, right? So we, we have developed a friendship over the years, never having met, because the technology allows, technology brings people closer together. If you choose to use the technology to be separate from other people, then that's how the technology will be used. If you choose to use the technology to draw people together, that's how it will be used. Um, I, I, I just, I, I've heard that old saw many times in fact i have said that very thing um but i just don't think it's true i think that it's a sub it's a it's a symptom of the disease not the cause of the disease the the problem is that for whatever reason we don't value humanity anymore and you know and i was making a joke saying i don't want a human whenever possible uh but the the, the part of the part of the problem is that i'm finding the quality of the humans i interact with are gradually lower and lower um but, you know, I, I think that to, to blame the technology and to blame the self-checkout stand and to blame, blame Amazon Prime for the lack of, of social skills is, is the, putting the cart before the horse. I think the problem is that the, low, the lack of social skills has made us prefer to not interact with people whenever possible. 
But see, you're talking to people who grew up without the medium of this piece of silicon six inches away from them and using that to interact in the world. You know, we grew up in a society that was bound by personal face-to-face interactions. So that spills over into all of forms of our communication versus the people who are coming of age now. More and more of them are coming of age without the same level of socialization because there's this medium where they aren't reacting to people and learn, you know, you don't cuss somebody out because they were standing in your way. You oh. just like say, thank you. And so, so, so that, that wasn't courtesy as much. It was the, the ability of somebody to punch you in the nose. So if you remove the ability to, for somebody to punch you in the nose, you know, then people get ruder. It, um, I think, my point, and I'm making it inarticulately, and I apologize for that, is that we are the old guard complaining that the world today isn't the world we grew up in. Every old guard has always complained that the world today isn't the world we grew up in. Um, it's a sign of us being old guys and not a sign of society being, you know, going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, I see my young children having deep personal interactions with people via technology. On a regular basis, my 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 daughters and you know, kid girls tend to be more verbal than boys. My daughters have more conversations with their friends because of technology, not less. Um, and they have more uh, uh, intimate relationships. And I don't mean intimate in the sexual term, but intimate in the in in the fact that you know you know each other intimately, you know each other well. That technology has improved that ability, not lessened it. Now. If my daughters were asshats, that wouldn't be the technology causing that. That would be bad parenting causing that, or maybe bad genetics. Uh, but th- it wouldn't be the technology. And so I think we just need to make sure that we're putting the blame in the right place. We do have a generation of people who don't know how to parent. Technology doesn't have anything to do with that. And and the children of the generation that don't know how to parent are asshats. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, but that's that has nothing to do with the technology. There's, yeah, I I'll go fifty percent with you on the the fact that I think the technology has expanded communications. Certain technology, like you know what we're using right now, Skype and podcasting and all that sort of thing, people get a window to to who we are because they can listen to us. On a podcast, and and I listen to podcasts all the time, and I feel like I know the person I'm listening to. After a while, you develop a repertoire, you know, you develop a association with the person who you've never met, you probably never will meet, but you understand them a little bit better, and that helps. At the same time, though, with technology, there's just as much of an opportunity for somebody who may not have social skills to go into the corner and not ever come out, and it's not, you know, human beings, we're social animals. It's, it's normal for us to be social and to communicate. And we need to exercise that skill. It's in our DNA. It's what makes us human. And if we don't do that, my concern is that we're, we're supporting, we're even celebrating a dysfunction of, being, of not being our species. And that's kind of the, the, 
I think it's better for somebody who might have difficult social skills to recognize that and learn to embrace and learn to master and and develop those skills and get past it than it is for them to have an opportunity to never leave the house, to never go out, to never go into public, and when they do, to never actually integrate with people because either they fear people or they, they don't work well or they hate people or whatever. I, I think we should have a world which encourages people to come out and to develop those skills. I don't know. When you put it like that, maybe I am in favor of technology. So, <laughs> so to, to answer a question in the chat room, Asat is that's just the southern pronunciation of the Sanskrit word ashat, would mean which means a terrible person. I totally made that up, but uh, <laughs> sounds believable. Um, so speaking of terrible people. How about people who could hack into your computer because you're using a wireless keyboard and mouse? So there's terrible people on both ends. The people who would do it and the people who make the technology so insecure that you would you could do it. Yeah, so Fujitsu has this um, wireless mouse keyboard combo that is apparently susceptible to um, attacks because they use encryption between the dongle and the wire and the uh, actual keyboard and mouse. It's actually pretty good encryption. However, they didn't think to secure the dongle against unencrypted traffic because they're thinking, well, who else would do it besides the keyboard? And so basically you could set up, you know, regular equipment can do like 30 feet and specialized equipment. You could be in a building next door to, um, launch a, an attack proof of concept. And again, the sky is not falling. This is just a sign of things to come has more and more IOT stuff hits the market where people don't even know the right way to spell security, much less how to implement it correctly. Um, where it's possible to set something up to where you can steal the credentials. Like you could send a keyboard lock combination and lock the machine and they go, I don't remember doing that. And so they didn't send the keyboard combination and then send their password and of course every every office you're in complains if they have to type their username and their password because they can't remember two things so windows defaults to the last user and so poof you've got their credentials now and you can access there and then you know you can generate a thing to uh, attack to visit a malicious website you know man the middle attacks ransomware cryptoware all the other kind of stuff and again that kind of stuff can happen. I'm not saying it has, but that this is one flaw that has been known about for a while. And Fujitsu's recommended fix is one, don't use this, or two, use it in a basement where nobody else uh, can be within radio range. <laughs> so yeah, and the radio range on that Bluetooth thing is, is pretty narrow. Somebody's going to have to be 20 feet away. Uh, right. Unless, unless you have a specialized antenna, then you could be in an office across the hall or possibly even a building. And if you're, if you're not, you know, if you're kind of spear fishing or whaling, then you're going to invest in that kind of equipment. Uh, so again, not, not that it's not this guy is falling doom and gloom, but this is just, you know, somebody developed this wireless thing, one, to get you to spend more money on batteries, and two, has a convenience <laughs> because this way you can get your wireless thing more than five feet away from the thing. So, you know, good concept. Somebody thought, oh, well, look, we're only going to 
you know, the keyboard's only going to be able to submit, um, communicate uh, encrypted. Well, let's let's block the default, you know, unencrypted communication. What? Who would do that? The keyboard's already encrypted. So you just left yourself open. And I don't know if there's a firmware update or you just throw this away and buy a new model. So I guess from a marketing standpoint, a sales standpoint, this is good because now you've got to ditch this Fujitsu and buy a new Fujitsu keyboard. Yeah, it's a win. It's a win. Uh, Fujitsu yeah. actually did this on purpose so they could double the amount of sales because the the punishment for being untrustworthy in a modern society is that you get more sales. Right. Um, like for example, if you're, uh, oh, say Experian, and you let every one of your passwords for three hundred million people go, the punishment for that is launching a paid service where they scan the dark web and see if your password is there. You know how they scan the dark web? They check the database and say, "Is that one we let go?" Yep, that'll be twenty five dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, or you know, Yahoo had a thing about oh, you need to update your phone number for more security. And there was a little feedback option. And I said, I'm not the one who had my who leaked my password. That was y'all. So, uh, you know, I, and of course, I know nobody reads that, but it sure did feel fun to me. So, And so the, there's probably an option for this. I, who knows if the chip in there is even updatable? I, if I were manufacturing it, I wouldn't put an updatable EEPROM in there. There's no reason to. It's a it's a set it and forget it thing. But even if it is, uh, and even if there's a methodology, who's going to do it? You're going to have to know that it's a problem. You're going to have to go to the Fujitsu website. You're going to have to download the thing. You're going to have to run the utility, um, and you're going to have to do all this, you know, like with a wired keyboard. Because the moment you start updating it, you're going to lose keyboard and mouse control. Uh, this is a thing that will never happen. So every one of these units is uh, vulnerable and will be vulnerable for the entire lifetime of those devices. Yep. And, you know, and what happened was somebody said, hey, let's get this to market. In, are there any reasons why we shouldn't? And this one guy said, "Um, actually, there's a security vulnerability. You're fired. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I doubt anybody said that. Does it work? Yep. Good. Ship it. But wait, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> so fun times, fun times. I'm not a product developer. I never have been, but I can put myself pretty easily in the minds of these people. They're selling uh, disposable tech, and they know it. Right. You know, the lifespan of this thing is a couple of years at best, um, and and so they're they're all about the next thing you're going to buy. They don't care about this thing, and they're not interested in making it secure, and there's no real reason for them to. There's going to be no backlash for this. There's going to be no price to pay. For this at all there will be no lesson learned from this not from consumers not from manufacturers it's just a story that we talk about that will make no dent in the world at all yeah but i mean i remember covering stories where it came out that people did voice objections and they were let go and again right. i'm sure not every company is that way but that's the pressure oh you complained and because of you this product was late going out the door guess who doesn't get their you know yearly raise or only gets right. half of their yearly raise not the person who saved the flaw it's the person who gummed up the works so I mean, that exists. Uh, and again, not all companies are like that, but, you know, it's kind of hard to tell these days. Miles, any thoughts? Uh, I like a nice clicky keyboard, and I can't get them wireless, so I'd never fall prey to this because I don't like those keyboards, mm. but that's me. 
I think uh, my my company uh, went to Dell, who's you know the the manufacturer of all the computers there, and said, "Can you sell us the loudest keyboards you make? In fact, <laughs> if you could manufacture louder keyboards for us, that would be awesome." Um, because I swear you could hear somebody typing a three hundred feet away in my office, and when when there's a hundred people type, it sounds like a cocktail party. <laughs> it's it's crazy, um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> that's that's yep, pretty close. That's, that's how it sounds. <laughs> but they do feel good, you know. And like to, to your point, my, uh, Miles, there's just something tactically satisfying about a good clunk when you hit a key. Yeah, yeah, because you know you, you can't really slam stuff anymore. So when you get to ki- hit that key just a little bit harder, right? It is it so much harder to rage hang up on somebody with a smartphone. Oh yep. yeah, beep. You know, <laughs> it's just it's not satisfying at all. All right, well, the only thing I have left to say is, Seth, what happened this week in history? All right, Mark. Well, I wanted to let you and all of the fine opiates know that on March the 18th, 1974, Atari released the first modern racing game. So Atari introduced Grand Track 10. It's the first arcade game that used solid-state read-only memory woohoo, to uh, store um, data for each car, the game timer, the racetrack, and the score, and has such as the first game to have defined characters rather than mathematically manipulated dots. The game controls, which included a four-position gear shift, a steering wheel, and two foot pedals, are also all first for arcade games. Back in 1974, Mark, that happened, and now back to you. That's old. 74. Yep. Nobody thinks of video games before, like, 79 or 80. Right. 74. It's a st- stand-up arcade machine, right? It's not yes. home or anything. Okay. Yeah. I hope it's sit-down if you have to manipulate two pedals, but maybe not. Uh, no, this was it was stand up. Yeah. So one of them was like, you know, brake and the other one was like gas, I'm sure. Right. So uh I doubt you could do them both at the same time. But who knows, maybe you could. I guess the sit down games, they didn't really come out till much much longer after that, now that I think about it. Uh, or you're gonna next week you're gonna pull something out that shows me that the, the first sit down video arcade game was in nineteen thirty five. Because I'm always <laughs> amazed at how early things are. I think that things basically the world began when I became aware of the world. Which is, you know, 81, 82. So that's right. when everything began. Um, so I'm always surprised when then something happened actually before that. Right. That's a, that's a thing we all humans do. And now, Seth, what do you have to, to, to close the show out in style for us? Okay, well, I came up with something this week. Um, so this is a languageguesser.com. And so if you go there, you choose whether, um, you know, you just pick a, like you want to do a classic thing or you want to do an infinite thing. So you click on one of the options and then it plays you a YouTube and you have four choices to guess the language of the, <laughs> of the, um, the song, the lyrics. And if you do it on the first guess, you get three points. Second guess, you get two. Third guess, you get one. Of course, the fourth, you get zero because that was the last option. And you just try to see how many points you get. And so something kind of fun. And, uh, you know, this would be a cool thing, I think, to do in groups. Maybe, you know, everybody t- take it and then, hey, who scored the most points or whatever. Uh, anyway, languageguesser.com uh, for all of your, you know, sounds like Greek to me. You know, if, if you pick Greek every time, who knows? You might get it right once or twice. Dude, SBR has gotten it right 1,017 times. Wow. Well, a score of that. So you got four points, but still, wow. 
that this that dude's good at languages. Yeah. Uh, so Afrikaans, Albanian, Arabic, Armenian, Azerbaijani, Bengali, Bosnian. Um, I, I'm definitely going to check this out after we're done with the show because that sounds like a fun thing for because I'm a language nerd. Sounds fun to me. Yeah. Well, you know, I I can't always. I don't know. I just there's less and less websites now. Everybody is more. Oh, take this stupid Facebook quiz or, you know, post something on Facebook or post a video on YouTube. There's less and less just cool websites out there has, you know, people abandon the rural communities uh, of the web to congregate in these massive overpopulated um, stink holes that are the Facebooks and YouTubes of the world. Wow, that was a long stretch for an analogy there. It really was. <laughs> well, so, will you there, know, so yeah. will there be urban flight in a few years where everybody will be moving back to the suburbs? I hope so. One can, all, <laughs> one can always dream. <laughs> I, I do lament the consolidation of data into a few houses. You know, it's uh, Amazon's S3, Google, um, Facebook. Th- that is a thing. WordPress. You know, there, there's a handful of places where all the world lives right now. And yeah, I, I, I share your disdain for that. Own your stuff, people. Says the guy who buys hosting on a megalith server and puts all <laughs> his stuff there. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is the part of the show where I tell you how you can feedback to us. Go to elementopi.com. Click the contact us button at the top of the page. Answer the world's hardest captcha. Then fill out the form there that, uh, that gets uh, sends an email that gets priority in my inbox. I will read your stuff before I read things from the Nigerian prince who wants to give me money. Um, so uh, let us know what you think. Um, we, we had a lot of heady discussions about uh, the fact that uh, people don't know how to parent and how technology is ruining the world. Uh, uh, let us know what you think about any or all of those sort of things. If you have phone suggestions for Miles, there's no point. <laughs> He's not going to listen anyway. Uh, you gave him lots of good advice that he ignored, and he bought the shiny, pretty one. Um, so, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, you can join us live, as Jinda did, and comment in the chat room uh, every Sunday night, except next Sunday, by the way. We won't be doing a show next Sunday, because Miles and I both have previous commitments. Uh, but uh, the week after that... <laughs> You can go to elementopi.com slash live on Sunday night, somewhere around 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, and we'll be there and we'll be putting on a show, I think, as best I can tell the future. Uh, So thanks for being with us. Thank you, audience, for listening. Uh, I I, I say all the time, you're the reason we do this, because otherwise we'd be a little crazy to set up all this stuff and go through all this effort and make recordings and stuff just to have a conversation. So I'm glad you listen, because otherwise we would be even more crazy than we are. Uh, so thanks for for uh, hanging out with us. If you like the show, tell others about it. If you really like the show, give us some money over at patreon.com slash element OP. And uh, we'll see you uh, in a couple of weeks. That's it for this episode of The Geek Rant. And remember, pay for what you like.